Welcome to Faithful Doubt. My name is Jordan. Today, we're going to be talking about science and God. Before we begin today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to recognize a book and share it with you if you're interested. And that book is The Reason for God by Tim Keller. Now, this book is super important to me because it is the main inspiration behind Faithful Doubt and why I'm doing this. And I really encourage uh, anyone to read this book if you're skeptical of God or if he exists or why you should be a Christian. I really encourage you to read this book. Uh, Tim Keller addresses why you might be skeptical of God, but also why you might be wrong about being skeptical skeptical about God. So take a, a, a look at that book um, if, if you're interested in that. But today's question for our episode is this, is God and science in opposition to one another? And that question, Tim Keller actually addresses in that book. And so that's why I have it here today with us. But this, this debate has been uh, going on since probably the beginning of humanity, right? Like, it's not just a debate that started 200 years ago. Um, it's a debate that's been going on for a long time over, is science opposed to God? And throughout time, we've had, you know, really popular philosophers, uh, important theologians uh, producing things, arguments and conversations into that overall debate. And it's just a very large debate. It's bigger than anything I could do in the next 10 minutes. So this is kind of my disclaimer, like, you know, it's hard to go through this question in 10 minutes. I'm going to do my best, and I'm not saying everything uh, that I'm going to say is correct or even the right answer, but I've certainly thought about this question many times in my life. I can tell you and honestly admit, as a Christian, I have considered the possibility of science opposing God. Like, can I be a Christian and believe in in uh, the—can I adhere to science as a Christian? Right? Like, that's, that's an important question, and it's a valid one I think we should all ask at some point. Uh, but this debate's been going on a long time, and it really picked up steam uh, with Charles Darwin uh, in the late 19th century. Uh, when he came up with the theory of evolution, that really gave atheism kind of like a, a grounded argument to, to put against, to oppose uh, the, the theistic worldview, right? Uh, and, and evolution is the process, the natural or the explanation of the natural process of all things, how, how things have come to be. So uh, evolution, the theory of evolution has been very important. It's uh, very important to science um, and as well as atheists. But what evolution was never intended to be was this all-encompassing world view that explains absolutely everything about how I feel, think, um, and interact with um my spiritual side uh, or my beliefs. Like it it was only meant to explain the natural uh, process of how things came to be. And there's a couple issues if you believe in evolution as a all-encompassing worldview. Uh, And that, that is really when people say science opposes God, like you can't be a Christian and believe in science. What people are really saying is the worldview of evolution really, it disproves God. Like science has disproven God. There's a major issue with that because there isn't a person that, like a scientist would say, 
yeah, science has completely disproven God. We, we all can admit that you can't fully disprove God and you can't fully prove the existence of God. Like as a Christian, I'm admitting I, I'm acting, I, I exist within faith that God is real. I, I have no 100% irrefutable evidence, tangible evidence uh, to prove that it exists. And no one has 100% irrefutable evidence to prove that he doesn't exist. The, the, those are just, that's just the way things are. So evolution as a all-encompassing worldview doesn't really work because it breaks down uh, for, for two reasons, really. The first reason, naturalism, right? Like evolution, naturalism, it was designed as a method to test the natural processes and, and things that happen in our world. Science is a method to test natural things and how they work and how we can recreate them. Science, it's one thing to say science is only a method to test for natural causes. It is a whole nother thing to say that science disproves the existence of all other causes, such as the supernatural. It's bold to even even say that science eliminates or proves there's no other causes uh, that could possibly exist. And and that kind of leads you to like, well, science and Genesis, there's, how do we view the book of Genesis? Because that's, this is naturally where the argument goes, right? Creation versus evolution. This is the natural debate that everyone goes to. Did God create everything the way it is? Or did science, uh, did everything evolve through a scientific process of evolution um, and come to exist the way it has? That is the natural argument, and so if you if you imagine like a spectrum, on this side, this is the reason why this question is so controversial, because on this side you have Christians who say, um, well, Genesis says that God created everything the way it is, that's the creation theory, and then atheists and scientists would say, well, no, evolution says that all living things started as single-cell organisms and evolved over millions of years um, to become what we are now, right? Like there's all the evolution process of organisms into larger organisms over time, eventually creating or evolving into humans, right? So the, that's that side of the spectrum. On this side of the spectrum, uh, we have the Christians would hold to the idea that God was the primary mover. And even... Um, if you aren't a Christian, but you're a theist, you might say, God, whatever he is, he was the primary mover and he started creation. And then from there, he allowed the natural process of evolution to take over. And that's how we have everything. Now you have in the center of this spectrum of these two um, views, you have in the center of this spectrum, theistic evolution, which says that God uses evolution uh, and kind of um, guides it, guides the the creation process to create everything. Um, or you have what's called the gap theory. We have uh, gaps in the fossil records. Like we don't understand how some species came into existence. They seem to have just kind of appeared. And so some people believe that over long periods of time, God intervened with large acts of creation um, and performed those acts over large periods of time. So that's kind of like gap theory right there. So you have this spectrum, and on one side, 
science and God are very diametrically opposed to one another. You have creation versus evolution. And on this side of the spectrum, you kind of have them not necessarily opposed, uh, but also not really supporting one another. And in the middle, you have God using evolution, um, or throughout evolution, he supernaturally intercedes through that in, in the middle of that process to create things. That's, that's kind of the large, broken down, very abbreviated version of science versus God. And this is why how we read Genesis really matters. Because if you're reading Genesis as a scientific account of how God created everything, it is, it, it is going to result in um, misinterpretation. It's going to result in misunderstanding the point of Genesis. In the Bible, books are meant to be read as their literary genre. The Gospels, the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are eyewitness accounts, recorded history eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life. The book of Psalms is not the same as those books. It's not meant to be read the same. The book of Psalms is poetry. It is meant to be read as poetry. While there is historical events and facts behind it, it is meant to be read as poetry. Now, Genesis is kind of difficult because we don't really know if it's an historical account or if it's meant to be read as, you know, some kind of metaphor or poetry, um, like that, that is a constant debate going on amongst Christians. And so the, the real, what, what we can all agree on as a Christian, and we should agree on, is that the very beginning of Genesis is not pointing to how God created everything. The purpose of the beginning of Genesis is so that we may know the author of creation. It is so that we can know God and why he created everything. And so, personally, I'm going to give you my view on this. I see science and God not as diametrically opposed, but connected and supporting one another. Because if God is the creator of all things, let's, let's just all agree for a moment that God created everything. Maybe it's not the Christian God. Maybe it's just this deity that no one can really know. Let's, let's say there's a supernatural cause for the creation of the universe. Wouldn't that... Th- deity, that person, that thing, wouldn't he be the ultimate scientist? I mean, if if he created everything out of nothing, which in and of itself is a miracle, wouldn't that mean that he has to be the ultimate scientist and know all, all way more about science than we could ever hope to know? Um, okay, let's say there is no God and things just came into existence. I don't know how you explain everything coming into existence, uh, one explanation is the Big Bang Theory. But what happened for those first couple of seconds before the Big Bang? What, where did everything come from? What caused the Big Bang? You know, these, these are well-known debates in the scientific community. We don't really know what happened for the first moments of creation. So as, uh, as a Christian myself, obviously I believe that God um, created everything but I also see science as supporting the existence of God because creation is just, it's too complex. There's too many complex things about creation for me to say there is no intelligent design or being behind that. Um, and, and secondly, this is probably the most important thing. What people struggle with the most uh, when it comes to science and God is the miracles that are performed in the Bible. 
And so many people say, well, you know, all these miracles in Scripture, uh, they couldn't have happened because science says that's impossible, right? Like the parting of the Red Sea, uh, the, the virgin birth, Jesus healing the sick, those things aren't possible. They're not natural. And science has disproven that those things can actually happen. So miracles, what are miracles? Why, why does Jesus perform miracles um, in the Bible? And every time you look at Jesus performing a miracle, he's not performing a miracle to fulfill himself, to bring himself glory. Um, he's not like bragging to the disciples like, hey, look, I'm going uh, to turn, uh, you know, whatever. I'm going to catch all these people on fire and it's going to be miraculous. You won't even know how I did it, blah, 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 whatever. Example you want to set there. Jesus isn't like bragging about his ability to perform miracles. What he does is he reveals God in all of his miracles, and he points us back to him. And so whenever he performs the miracles miracles to heal people, um, he's pointing to the glory of God. When he's feeding the hungry miraculously by multiplying the, the loaves of bread and fish, he's pointing to the glory of God. When he raises Lazarus from death into life, it's not to brag, it's to show the glory of God, the authority and power that God has over this world. And so you look at the disciples who got to live with Jesus and experience these miracles firsthand. And even though they experience these miracles and witness them, they still have a hard time believing that Jesus is really the son of God. Like they, they, they struggle with that. And this is the basis for faithful doubt. Our mission statement, our verse that kind of created, that faithful doubt was created out of comes from John chapter 20, verse 29. And it says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Meaning, blessed are those of us who we've never seen Jesus physically and we still believe in him. Well, why does that matter, Jordan? Because the disciples who actually lived with Jesus, experienced life with Jesus, saw him perform these miracles, they still doubted that he was who he said he was. And the most famous account of that is in John chapter 20 when, when the disciple Thomas uh, after Jesus has been raised from the dead, he appears to all the disciples except Thomas isn't there. We don't know where he is, but he wasn't with all the other disciples. And so when Jesus appears to the other disciples, they believe, and then Jesus goes away for a time, and the, the uh, other remaining disciples tell Thomas at a later time, He's alive. Jesus is alive, and he appeared to us. Like he was in the room with us. He's still alive, or he, he is now alive. Thomas says, no way, like, you guys are crazy, you saw something else, you, you don't even know what you're talking about, unless I see him standing before me, and I see the scars in his hands from the nails on the cross, and I'm able to actually touch his, his, his scars, I'm not going to believe. Like, he doesn't even say, I doubt that it happened, he says, I will not believe it happened until I see Jesus physically. And so Jesus appears to Thomas, appears before him and says, see my scars, and touch, and touch my hand. And Thomas does not touch Jesus. He just simply falls on his knees before Jesus and says, forgive me, Lord, for I doubted, I did not believe um, you are truly the son of God. And so when, when this verse, when, you know, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, the whole idea behind that is like, yeah, we can't see a physical uh, manifestation of God, but I believe he truly exists. And there is no amount of science that can, that can say he doesn't exist. And 
Just because Jesus performed miracles, supernatural things, does not disprove the existence of God. As Tim Keller says, modern people, and this is in quotes, modern people think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order. But Jesus meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. So when a miracle is performed, it doesn't mean that the natural order is suspended and God is somehow you know, breaking the rules of science. What's happening is God is actually restoring the natural order of things to the way he created them to be. And this is why it's so important when Jesus heals the sick, we were not created to have sickness. And so when Jesus performs a miracle, he's not suspending natural order, he's restoring it. We were naturally supposed to live without illness. When Jesus feeds the hungry, the, the natu- he's, not saying, he's not suspending the natural order of things. He's restoring the natural order to we were never meant to be hungry. When he raises Lazarus from death into life, he's not suspending the natural order of things. He's actually bringing them back to what they were supposed to be, which is we were supposed to have eternal life. We were never supposed to die. So death, illness, and hunger, that's not part of the natural order. Those things are unnatural because God created everything to be perfect. And so Jesus performs these miracles to restore the natural order of the world. So are science and God in opposition? Um, I I don't see, see it that way. And the first reason would be creation is just so complex um, and, and as Romans 1.20 says, all of creation testifies to who God is. Um, his eternal and um, all of his characteristics, his eternal characteristics are just in creation. Like you can witness God through creation. When I look out at the ocean, when I look at the mountains, um, there is no height or depth in this world that I can't look at and go, my gosh, how has this come into existence and I, th- and I think everyone thinks about that when they see something as beautiful as the ocean or uh, a snow-capped mountain or a volcano or whatever it is. Like you look at it and you think, how did this come into creation? Was it just here? Did it just evolve over time? Did God or did something else or someone else create these things? And secondly, most importantly, Jesus, who lived the life we were supposed to live and die the death uh, we were supposed to receive. His life points to God continually and the miracles he performs, they, they do not disprove science. They do not say, there is nothing in science that says those can't happen because Jesus isn't suspending the natural order of things. He's restoring the natural order of things. Science doesn't eliminate God's existence. The miracles of Jesus are meant to point us to God and they challenge our minds, but more importantly, they're a promise to our hearts that all things will be restored and the world we all really want is coming again when he comes back. Thank you for the question. I hope to see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you'd like to see more, you can go over to our Facebook page and request to join there, or you can watch any of our episodes on YouTube, or you can check us out on Instagram and TikTok now. Or if you just like the audio and you'd like to listen, 
You can find us on any of your favorite podcast platforms. I'll see you guys next time.